Welcome back to another episode of an Athletic Life podcast. I'm your host, Schneef. We have a very special guest today. Our guest is from Caledonia, Minnesota. He won two state championships in high school, played for his father. After high school, he spent some time with the Minnesota Gophers, where he played receiver. And then he had uh, some time in the league with the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. We have Isaac Prickty here. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to, uh, to be on here today and looking forward to a good podcast. Thank you. We, uh, we put a lot, of, a lot of time into this, and so we're excited to have you on. Isaac's currently an offensive coordinator with Winona State University in the NSIC Division II school. But Isaac, what made you fall in love with football? Well, um, my favorite player of all time was Walter Payton, and uh, my dad was a running back in high school. So uh, we would always watch Walter Payton videos, and that was his favorite, one of his favorite running backs. Um, so kind of fell in love with the game um, just through my dad and him being a coach and, and uh, getting to watch Walter Payton, um, you know, play. And, uh, you know, Walter Payton was, was one of those guys that I think everybody would always say wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the biggest, wasn't the, uh, you know, the best in any way, shape or form physically, but was the best because he was the toughest. He, mentally was just superior to everybody. He was the smartest. He, uh, you know, did, did extra things, always went the extra mile. And, uh, you know, that was what I fell in love with. And he kind of had that underdog mentality and was the best to ever do it. So it was, it was a good role model for me on top of my dad, who obviously was a coach and, and, uh, you know, loved the sport and, and, uh, did a bunch of, good things as a high school player he would never say that but um mm-hmm. i know he know he did and then obviously stayed in it with coaching so yeah. yeah your dad's a very humble man he doesn't like to talk about his success even though he has a ton of it in what he does um yeah. walter payton's a, a all-time great running back um you know he he kind of has that underdog mentality that you talked about which is kind of what i think you have to have coming out of southern minnesota because a lot of times it you know the kids are under recruited a little bit and so they have to have that toughness if they're not, they're not going to be the fastest, the biggest or the strongest, but you know, you, you find a lot of tough kids in Southern Minnesota who, you know, they work hard, they do the extra mile, they put extra time in the weight room or, you know, in the gym, in the track, whatever their, their sport is. And yeah. I think that, you know, ultimately what helps, you know, you guys from Southern Minnesota succeed is because they yeah. are recruited, but they have these, these other values that they put a lot of hard work into. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's from, from their parents and the way that they were raised and they, they passed it down to their kids. I mean, you're, you're a prime example. Your brother's a prime example of that as well. So very much so, uh, very much so true. So growing up in Caledonia and when you were playing for your dad, you know, that had to have been a special time just, you know, being coached by him. And, but, you know, was there ever any more pressure to succeed because your dad was your coach, you had to, you know, perform a little bit better, study a little bit harder, take that extra mile, or was that just naturally how you were as a kid? Um, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know if I would say that naturally I was like that. Um, I think the one thing that I learned very fast was that you really couldn't ever get away from what, you know, dad wanted you to do or what, what you told dad you wanted to be, you know, I, I told my father from a very young age that I wanted to play in the NFL and um, you know, his job and his goal for me was to, to get me there. And um, you know, that, that meant every waking moment that, that we 
uh, spent together was formed to um, try and achieve that goal. And, uh, you know, that, that meant even when you were sleeping, you had to sleep hard. You had to sleep long. You had to sleep, you know, the right way. So um, everything that we did, there was a question is this helping you or is this hurting you to try and achieve your goal? So um, it was a special bond for, for me. I mean, my dad and I talk, you know, every day pretty much. And that's been true since um, the day I left his house. And, um, you know, it's, it's just how close we are because we grinded through everything together. And um, I know he did the same in his job to try and achieve his goals. And as a kid, you don't necessarily always understand that, but, um, you know, you definitely learned hard work, um, you know, being, being up and, and, uh, getting, getting something done with your day is extremely important. No matter how long you stayed up at night or what, what day it was, it could be Christmas. It could be Easter. We were, we were in the gym, we were <laughs> running Hills. We were lifting weights. So yeah, always um, working. Always working, yeah. Just just learned that from a very young age from him. So, and you gotta you gotta kind of respect that now that you're older and you you kind of have that outside look at things. You know, you might not have enjoyed it at the time, but now you kind of realize <laughs> he always had the best intentions for you, and you know he always wanted to see you succeed because that probably made him proud. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's very true. I mean, he, like I said, he he would if he didn't like what you were doing or, or thought that it was um, something that wasn't going to help you, that was his question. Is this going to help you achieve your goals? You know, mm-hmm. and obviously your Joel, your, your goals always adjust and, and move, you know, as you grow up and all those things to, I want to be a starting football player. I want to be a, you know, a state champion. I want us to do this, this and this or whatever. And uh, you know, I just think that he was very good and very disciplined with his parenting of, Hey, is this helping or hurting you? Whether that's academically or athletically or spiritually, whatever it was, that that, that was always the question, you know. So, yeah, and you know, he helped you uh, get past the first stage of high school football, and then you got you know those state championships, and then you got to play a little bit of college ball, and you know, you were at RCTC for a little bit, but then you ultimately decided to to commit to the Gophers and play for your hometown team. Um, why did you do that? Was that your only offer? Or- do you have you always wanted to be a gopher? Can you take us through that process a little? Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think that was something that my dad was always a gopher fan um, and loved the, the the state of Minnesota. We've always loved being here and and what the people represent and and uh, you know what the university you know r- represents as as our state. And um, you know, from a young age, he watched the gophers with his dad, and and they were big gopher fans and. You know, I remember watching um, the Gophers play from a very young age as well because of that. And, yeah, ultimately, um, that was the school that I wanted to go to. Um, you know, and I I uh, didn't take care of my grades well enough in high school to, to get into schools that I wanted to uh, go to and, and ultimately had to go to junior college. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I was being recruited um, – by a couple Big Ten schools, Michigan State, Iowa, and, and uh, Minnesota were kind of the three that were high on my list. Um, but, you know, when I got the opportunity to talk to Jerry Kill, um, the head football coach there, I, I <laughs> just basically fell in love with the guy. I mean, he was, he was just reminded me of my father. And, um, 
you know, was somebody that, that I just, I still look up to, to this day. And, um, when I talked to him, I felt like I could run through a wall and, and, uh, wanted to do that for him. So, um, you know, ultimately that was the decision at why I went there. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't, Minnesota was my only offer before I, and cause that was the only place I visited and I committed on the visit. So I didn't even go to Michigan state or Iowa after mm. that. So, yeah, there's gotta be a sense of pride playing for your hometown team, helping them win football games. You know, I think every kid in Minnesota when they're young wants to play for the Gophers. Um, yeah. There's just, there's that pride in that and I'm going to help my hometown team. Right. Absolutely. you talked about coach kill a little bit. Do you still have a relationship with him? And, um, you know, have you meant, implemented any of his coaching styles into your own now that you're coaching a little bit? Yeah, um, I talked to Coach Kill probably once every two months or so. Um, you know, as you know, college football is extremely busy, um, and it feels like you're constantly on the go, you know, from one phase of the year to the next. Absolutely. And, um, you know, so I know Coach Kill's busy, and, and obviously – He's in New Mexico and I'm in Minnesota, so that's quite a, quite a distance. And um, when we do touch base, it's it's more about family and how everybody's doing, and um, you know, just checking in on each other. Um, but yeah, I would say that <clears throat> implementing some of the things that that he taught me and taught us when I was at the U um, definitely have have come through in my coaching um, side. You know, I, I think there's a couple things that that come to mind. Um, I, I always talk about it with our guys, every place I've ever been. Um, we will not coach energy and effort. They will be a hundred percent max all the time, or you won't be here. You won't play. <laughs> so yeah, that's important. Um, yeah. I mean, that's something that we talked about a lot. Um, his mentality was brick by brick. And, and, you know, I, I love that about the U and, and love that about his program and his culture. And I think, you know, it really coupled into, um, you know, what I try and tell the guys every day is, is just, ga- just gain a blade of grass every day. Because if you, if you get one blade of grass better every single day, think about how high that stack is going to be at the end of a year or at the end of the month or at the end of the week. Um, and that, that just means, you know, like Coach Birch from our head football coach here talks about all the time, just go 1-0 and with whatever you're doing. If you're if you're sleeping, just like I talked about earlier, you got to go one and zero. That means you better get eight hours, and you better you know not be distracted. You better uh, you know sleep well and and get your eight hours. You know, and if that's going one and zero in a conversation like we're having right now, be your best. Be one and zero in that, and and um, you know I think those mantras are all the same, but definitely took that from Coach Kill, and and uh, you know am thankful for for learning those things from him. Yeah, you know, we, we kind of talk about that up here a little bit, too, is, you know, incremental gains. If, if you focus on trying to get better at everything, you're not going to get better at anything. So right. if you have that narrow focus, you know, then that's when you'll start improving. And I think yeah. that's important in any program, you know, however they phrase it, however they want to say it, just focus on getting better a, a little bit every single day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think then that that's when you can hold people to an extremely high standard and also, you know, talk to them about, you know, are we actually doing it or are we just saying it? You know, I think that's the world of social media and the world of all the, you know, dumb apps that are out there now. You can post everything, but um, it's different 
to act upon being one and all. And, and that's, uh, that's what we want to do. We want to go brick by brick as coach kill used to say it in everything that we do, but you got to act on it. You can't just post about it or talk about it or whatever. So, yep. Um, talking a little bit about coach kill and the Gophers, do you have a, a favorite memory as a Gopher? Maybe it's with coach kill or, you know, as a player, anything that really stands out to you when you think about your time at the U? Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely the games, you know, stick out uh, just in terms of wins that you felt like you took the program from a not very good place to a to a really good um, beating Michigan badly. You know, uh, I think it was thirty eight to seven or something like that at Michigan. Um, memory I'll never forget beating Iowa. Uh, 51 to 14, you know, badly winning that game, massive, um, beating Nebraska in Nebraska, you know, down 21 points at halftime and coming back and winning that game. Um, you know, so it's, it's the wins that I think changed the program from being, you know, like I said, just a, a kind of average, not very good program to taking it to the next level. And, and those wins, I just think about how much hard work we put in and, and all the effort that, that the coaches put in and, and uh, the excitement that the coaches had for us and our execution of the game plan was, you know, just exciting and fun. And, uh, yeah, big memories that I'll never forget. Yeah, those are big games, um, not only to, you know, the players and the coaches and inside that program, but those games mean a lot to the fans, too. Beating a Nebraska and Iowa and Michigan, you know, those those in-conference games are huge for when it comes to making the Big Ten championship. And just as a program, beating these other teams that are always playing at a high level, mm-hmm. you know, that really helps build the program up, you know, brick by mm-hmm. brick, it's stacking one game at a time and one quality right. win at a time. Right, Absolutely. You know, so, you know a little something about that. <laughs> yeah, we, you know that's we're trying to do the right thing up here. So, that's one right. game at a time. That's right. Do man. you have a a welcome to college football moment? Something that kind of shifted your your <laughs> mindset about like, ah, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> um, my first day of practice at the U, I got uh, called a. Uh, not so good thing in our first drill. Um, I'm not going to say what, what was said. Um, yeah. Protect yourself. But, yeah. But it was the first, <laughs> it was the first day of practice and I screwed up a drill and uh, got called something and just, I was like, Whoa, you know, like that, this is, this is big time college football. Like we're, we're, we talk to people like that and you're, your job as a college football player uh, is to respond and respond in a positive manner. And uh, it wasn't personal. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything that was like, you know, you're, you can't do this uh, or, you know, it wasn't a personal attack. It was, you know, basically what are you doing? What, what, what were you thinking and what, what are you doing? And, um, it showed me the heightened importance of every single day, every single rep, uh, every single activity um, that you did. And I, it, it brought me back to uh, the way that my, my dad handled me and my sisters growing up. And um, 
it just wasn't that vulgar, I guess. And <laughs> um, yeah, th that was a sh that was a little bit of a stunned moment, a little bit of a shocked moment. Like, okay, here we are. Mm -hmm. But I think I think it showed the coaches that I could handle a lot, you know. And um, yep. I wasn't I wasn't going to whine and pout and complain. It was all right. We'll, we'll we'll get better because of this, and I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> yep. All about facing so. adversity and how you respond. You know, I think no that's doubt. huge with college coaches, and obviously you're a college coach now, so you can find that in your guys and see how they handle adversity. But yeah, after oh, your time with the Gophers, you were with the Vikings and the Lions, and so. In college, you win with the right people for each program. Each program recruits different type of people, um, and they have their you know their own set of culture. In the league, is there any type of culture? Is it strictly business and you know less value on team culture and history? Um, I think it depends on the organization that you're in. Um, there is a very good group of veterans that put together a good culture if they want to win. And if they're not just worried about themselves and just worried about, you know, the money that they're trying to make, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I truly believe that I thought the, the Vikings um, locker room and culture was very, very good with, within the players. Um, I, I and I, I'll be honest with you. I thought Detroit was too. Um, I thought I thought the locker room and the players was was a really good culture. Now there's always a few guys that are you know stuck up and in their own you know way in in yep. terms of you know I'm, I'm a ten year vet. I don't need to talk to you or whatever. But yep. um, very few people handle their business like that. Um, very family oriented. Um, organizations very much so um just just very good uh very good culture um you know i, I bible study at both uh, organizations i was involved with and you know matt stafford was the first guy to shake my hand when i walked into uh the the first day at with the lions i mean and i was nobody i mean I was great a special teams is. player yeah, I mean, he was incredible. So there, there's guys out there that are really, really good and um, have a great, you know, form a great culture, um, you know. But it, it, there's definitely a business aspect to it as well where some people are a little bit more guarded that have been in the league a while because they know that uh, it's not going to last as long as they want. Very few people get to play, you know, get to play as long as they want and end it the way that they want, you know, myself yeah. included. So yeah. the NFL, it's really cutthroat and there's kind of that joke that it stands for not for long. Yeah. Um, you know, being that it's not for long or that in training camp, in OTAs, your job is essentially to put someone else in your position group out of a job, right? You know, you're fighting for your job and your income. Is it harder mm -hmm. to form relationships with those guys or is there any of what, you know, people say now they call it beefing. Is there any more of that, or is it, you know, I'm going to still form a relationship with this guy and may the better man win? Well, I, I mean, I ultimately think that there is some of that. Again, I would go back to what's the culture like, you know, um, mm -hmm. the the best places and the best people that I played with wanted the best 
out of me so that they got better because I was better. You know, um, I was the bottom of the depth chart every single year, all, all three years. And, um, (laughs) if I was really, really good, then it pushed them to be even better. And I think about, you know, Mike Wallace was a guy that, that was with the Vikes my rookie year. And, uh, he, he would make it mandatory that everybody would catch at least a hundred balls on the jugs every single day. You know, that was your job. And if you didn't do it, he would, he would call you out and you would hear about it. And, um, I, I just thought that it's a simple thing. It's not like that's overly taxing, but, um, I just think that that's, that shows his maturity of, yeah, they might be better than me, but uh, if they're pushing me because they're getting better, that means that I'm getting better. So, um, you know, the, the cream, right. Or the, excuse me, the, the bottom of the roster as as you know, I was located all three years. I mean, hundred percent fact there, uh, you know, if I was really, really good, that made Mike Wallace better or Charles Johnson better because, you know, I was pushing them. So, yeah. And competition brews success. So if you yeah. have that competition and everyone's getting better, it's, it's going to be hard to stop a team where they're getting better every single day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have a, a favorite moment when, when, in your time in the NFL that's something that really sticks out to you in either organization? Um, honestly, my favorite memory was a game that I didn't even play in. Um, it was maybe week two or three, maybe. And we were playing the Tennessee Titans and Tennessee um, <clears throat> had uh, Carl Klug. Um, Teammate of yours in Kel- Caledonia? Yeah, Kel- a Caledonia guy. Um, he was played for the Titans. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun uh, because, A, it was a great game. Um, I think – I think we lost 34, 31, but Carl killed us and he played really well. He had like, I think he had two sacks and a fumble, um, forced a fumble. Um, he just, he just tore us apart and I wasn't happy because we lost (laughs) obviously. Right. Um, But, but it was so cool to stand there and be like, I know that guy and that guy is killing us. And, um, I remember in meetings that we didn't talk, about him much um they just kind of said he's a hard worker and he was a tough you know player and and uh you know just worked hard and you know that that was about it that they said about him and then he just came out and he just destroyed us and i i was proud as a uh friend of carl's and as a um you know a guy that grew up in the same town as him um to be like yeah that's my buddy and he just kicked our ass (laughs) you know (laughs) And yeah, there's always laugh with that. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I I don't want us to lose. I didn't. I wasn't happy because we lost, but it was awesome to see him. It was awesome to watch him perform like that. Uh, you know, and actually, when I played against him when I was with the Vikes, it, it was fun because there's a lot of trash talk, and it was um, more trash talk about way deeper stuff because we've known each other for. 32 years at this point now and <laughs> you know we uh we knew a lot about each other so um yeah it was just playing against him I guess with the Vikes and then you know getting a chance to watch him just absolutely have a, a tremendous game against us 
uh, was probably my fondest memory in the NFL. Yeah, that, that's got to be a good moment for you, a good moment for Caledonia itself to have, you know, two alums going at each other in the NFL, you know, on the rosters. It's fun for them, fun for the high school coaches that you played for. Yeah. Um, now that you're coaching, when you're recruiting, what do you look for in a high school prospect, you know, whether you're watching them work out or play a different sport on a, when you're going on the road and recruiting, shaking their hand, talking to them? What, what are the things that you look for in a high school guy? Um man where do you start there there's a lot of a lot of things uh to be honest with you um the gosh r- right now um the ability to be confident and be able to communicate is huge to me are people taught to stand up straight sit up straight look in the eye shake your hand answer carry a conversation um not that you need to be yes sir, no sir, military all the time, but you know you got to have some form of respect. Um, you know, because to me this is it's fun because I, I get to meet with all positions and and uh, you know coaching the quarterbacks and receivers together is always really fun because it, it doesn't. I always tell them it doesn't matter how much I know. What matters is is what you know and what you can think of or what you know is right on the field so I want kids and recruit I want to recruit kids and players that can think for themselves are confident can live with a decision even if it's wrong can um, you know be able to be confident to talk to a stranger be you know be polite but also assertive advocate for themselves um, you know, I just, there, there's so many things that to be honest with you, I don't know if I could, uh, pinpoint one or, um, uh, another, but just, just that ability to, um, be confident, talk, you know, look somebody in the eyes, be assertive, you know, cause I, the world right now is in a bad place if you ask me. And I think phones are a major, major, major piece of that. Yeah, kids can't talk to people anymore. And, it's and very hard. It's very it's, hard for those guys, the young kids growing up with yeah. the iPad, the phones at the young age to, yeah. to do things like they could in the past. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So with kids going to all these camps, they're posting their, their film on Twitter, they're DMing coaches and, and whatnot. What's the best way to get on a college's radar? By attending their camp, by messaging their coaches? How, how do you think that works? For, as a coach, being a coach, how would, what's the yeah. best way to get on your radar? Yeah, I mean, it's it's camps all the way. I hate to say it because, you know, people um, will drive all over America and spend ungodly amounts of money on it. But I think camps are extremely important. But I think this is where, again, our society has failed um, a bunch is that our parents are not willing or um, are not – doing a good enough job of being realistic with their kids and having mature conversations. Nowadays, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, they're, they're working on 2024 recruits and they probably already got 10 guys committed. You know, the early signing period helps them a ton to be out in front. Parents need to be realistic with their kids. Michigan's not calling you, you know, son X. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
right now the the coaches that are messaging you or calling you are um, Division two coaches and Division three coaches. That's where you should go to camp. Okay, you should go to camp at Winona State. You should go to um, you know Concordia St. Paul. You should go to Upper Iowa. You should go to those camps. Don't go to camps that. Um, you know, are just in it for the money. Don't go to Michigan's camp because, um, you know, you think you can play there. Now, if Michigan's talking to you, yeah, go to their camp. That'd be great. You know, and, and maybe that's your dream school. So go to Michigan. Just go to Michigan, you know, and then go to places that coaches are talking to you. I, I, I really think that parents are doing a disservice because these kids, one, are told the truth that, Look, NDSU is talking to you. You should go to their camp. You shouldn't go to, um, you know, seven Big Ten camps and perform horribly because your legs are tired. You're dead, you know, and you're not training. You're not training throughout the summer. So I, I just I, I think camps are a great option. I think camps are the way to be noticed. But I think that parents and coaches need to do a better job. High school coaches need to do a better job of, telling those kids that, hey, this is the place and these are the people that are reaching out about you. This is where you should go to camp. You should go to a couple camps, not not 10. You should go to three, max, maybe four. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just think that people are unrealistic um, yep. with, oh, with where they're at, and, and I think it hurts them because it, it really stinks when we watch juniors like we are right now and we watch their huddle film and they look really good. And then they go to, you see them at camp at, in the summer and they look horrible. And it's not most more times than not, when you see it, it's not because um, they're not good players. It's because they've been to Minnesota, Iowa, Iowa state, NDSU, South Dakota state, um, Mankato and Bemidji's camp. And it's like, Holy crap, dude. You're you're killing yourself. That when you come down to Winona State, you look like you know dog crap. You yeah, know? and it's you hard. Ju- to you just hurt yourself. Oh, absolutely. Oh man. Absolutely. Especially when some of the camps that they're going to are more than one day. You know, they're multiple yeah. day camps, and then right after that camp, they're driving six hours in the car to make registration for the next camp. There's no absolutely. recovery time. And I think nowadays parents they got to have they have to be realistic a little bit. Invest in the programs that are investing in you. Mm-hmm. If you're getting a call from an offensive coordinator, Winona State, say you're calling someone, they're interested in you. They're not calling you because they don't want to recruit you. Right. You know, you're not getting a call from PJ Fleck, then it's probably not realistic for you to think you're going to go play with the Gophers. Yeah, absolutely. And they have to do a little bit of a better service to their child to put them in a spot spot to succeed because they're they're the ones spending the money. You know, it's not coming mm-hmm. out of the kid's pocket. The parents are paying. Right. So they, right. they got to also help their kids out. And I think that's really hard right now. You know, I, I only did four camps my senior year. And one of them was at Iowa because they invited me. I wouldn't have gone out and signed up for it on my own. But right. that's just how it was. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying, hey, Iowa's my dream school. Okay, well, then go to camp there. That's great. And But don't do four camps before Iowa. Just do do Iowa and then go do – camps that people are talking to you because yes you know I, I i don't think there's anything wrong with that and yeah maybe maybe somebody missed you over 
you know, I know that people say, well, nobody gets missed now that social media is a thing. Well, they do because one, not everybody has social media. Mm -hmm. And two, sometimes people don't know how to evaluate based off of highlight films and huddle, huddle, uh, cut ups, you know? So I, yeah. I, I do think that kids should still go to certain camps if that's where they want to be, or that's a dream school. But, um, you know, do yourself a service and go to a couple camps, not, not 10, you know, not 12 camps. Cause, cause we see that all the time when we talk to kids and they're like, yeah, I just finished my fourth camp. Like, it, you know, it's like, oh, you've been at four camps in the last two weeks. That's, that's too much. You're going to be you yep. know, sc- screwed in terms of your times, testing numbers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. With Winona state, you, you know, you've been there now a little bit of time. What's the culture mm-hmm. of Winona State in three words? If you had three words to describe Winona State football, what would it be? Can I use four? Yep. Faith, family, future football. Those are the four that we use. Uh, yeah, I, and I think we do a great job of describing those. You know, faith, we, we're not going to push anything on any in terms of what to believe. But um, when we talk about faith, we talk about believing in something bigger than yourself. And believing believing in something that you might not always be able to see, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that that is a perfect way of saying trust the guy next to you that he's going to do his job in this play. Have faith that the guy next to you is going to go to class so that he's eligible to play. You know, have faith that that the guy that's spotting you while you're squatting right now is going to actually watch you and, and be there in case you fail. You know. Um, so I think faith is, is extremely important. Uh, family, I think that's, that's kind of, uh, one that, that everybody uses. Um, yep. but you know, that, that's the brotherhood, right? That's the, of course. that's playing for the guy next to you. That's, that's being invested in, in people farther, you know, farther more than, um, X's and O's or lifting weights. That's actually knowing your brother, you know, loving your brother and, doing anything for them. Um, future, we always talk about investing in your future. One, you have to invest in your future academically. You know, you're here at a university to get a degree. Invest in your future. Secondly, it, you know, it's investing in what you want to achieve. And, and you know, we, we were lucky enough to make the playoffs last year in year one, and we, we don't talk about it ever. But investing in your future is having a goal. And, you know, like I said, we don't ever talk about that, but um, we know that we're investing in our future in terms of how we handle everyday situations and go and want to know in those everyday situations. And then football is, you know, that's the reason we're here, right? That's the, the ultimate team game and uh, the reason that we all were able to come together and what's brought us here. So it's the best sport ever invented. And why should you know, high school football players in Minnesota, why should they choose Winona State over other NSIC schools, given that they have the opportunity to? Well, one, um, you know, I think this is a great city. Um, You know, you're looking at about 30,000 people here. You're the number one, um, you know, attraction when Saturdays are, are taking place in the fall this place is packed. Maxwell field is packed and uh, you're the number one uh, form of entertainment in town. And it's, it's unlike any other. Um, You know, I I think Winona is a great place, a great city. I think Winona state is a great place. Um, And they, they want to do what's best, but um, 
you know, I think why you should come here and, and here is where our kind of one mantra comes into shape. We actually, uh, when we talk about recruiting, we don't sell, we build relationships. So if, if we're recruiting you, um, that's because we want you to be a part of our family and we're going to recruit the right guys to bring into this family and why we, um, you know, are different than everybody else is because when you get here, we're going to know your parents' names. We're going to know what they do. We're, we're going to know um, about their siblings if they have some. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to know everything that there is possible to know about our players and, and truly invest in them as people. And, um, you know, I think that's what's going to separate us apart. And, you know, there's a, there's a trust factor that comes into, into play there of players are going to trust that I'm going to make the right call to put them in the right position. And if I don't, I'm going to tell them I screwed up. It's my fault. Right. And, and, you know, that's because we have a deeper relationship than, Hey, run a post. Hey, take a uh, three-step drop. Hey, you know, whatever the call might be. We have a deeper relationship than that because we're built on relationships. We're not built on selling. This is, this is a place that, um, you know, we, we want the right people here. So we are going to recruit and have great relationships with our players and with our recruits, not, not sell to them. Ooh, look at our stadium. Ooh, look at our, uh, you know, business degree, you know, or whatever we, we are built on relationships and that's what our coaches are, are all about. So. Yeah, I think, I think there's a value in that too. And being a player's coach, guys respect that. And they, for those people who, who want to invest in them on a personal level and not just losses or people who can help them get wins and loss. No, no, mm-hmm. one wants, no one wants to play for a guy that doesn't really care about them. Right. I mean, yesterday for, for us, I mean, it's February, what, 10th? Yep. We had, we had 15, I had 15 guys in my office yesterday at one time. And they were just sitting up here BSing. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, kind of on one hand sitting there thinking like, what are we doing here? We're not, we ain't going through film. We're not, you know, they're not doing homework. Um, you know, they're not, we, they literally were just sitting in my office and just BSing. And yep. I was, I was just involved with it. So it felt like a bunch of guys uh, sitting down in the locker room talking or, you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, that, that's what we want. That's what this is about. It, it isn't about a stadium. It isn't about a, a degree. It isn't about the weight room. It isn't about stuff like that. I mean, those things are important. I'm not saying that they're not, but it's about relationships, man. And, and we want our players to love us, and, and we, we love them because of that. So we're going to take care of them all the way. Ultimately sticks out to players when they're done is those relationships and those fun memories that they have that necessarily aren't always on the field. Or, you know, in the weight room, it's hanging out with the guys, you know, having fun, just doing what they think is fun and what's entertaining to them. And it seems like that's where this program's at, where you guys are headed is players, coach, you know, family and faith, football and the future. And that's what you kind of yeah. named off. And, well, I, I couldn't be uh, more thankful to have on the podcast. It was great talking to you. Episode five is in the books. Thank you for coming on. Thank you to the listeners. Isaac Frickjay.